Uh, it's first Sunday of the month. That means we have uh, our students in here. We have our kids in here. And I, I want to invite all our kids to come down here before you head back to the tables. We come down here and just sit around up here. Uh, as they're on their way down, I want to tell you about uh, two different Christmas evening services we're going to have. Uh, just have a seat right here. Uh, two Christmas evening services this season. The first is, uh, if I can have a slide, we're calling it Beauty from Ashes, a special Christmas service. That's going to be on the 17th of December at 6 p.m. And uh, we, wa- we really want to hold this service to really talk about uh, how do we uh, embody this longing that Advent is all about, that in a world of personal angst, local, uh, national, global angst, how do we embody the longing of uh, the Messiah who has come to bring the world to rights? So that'll be uh, December 17th at 6 p.m. And then... Uh, I think we'll have a Christmas Eve service, too, so we'll do that one. Uh, It'll be the second Christmas evening service, Christmas Eve, December 24th. But here's the thing about December 24th. Do you know what day of the week December 24th is? It's a Sunday. Uh, We're not going to have a morning service. Uh, So we're only going to have the evening service that day. So uh, in three Sundays, if you show up here at 10 a.m. Did you know the morning service starts at 10 a.m.? Uh, if, if you show up here at 10 a.m. or your normal 10, 15 a.m. or whatever, uh, I won't be here and other people aren't going to be here. But we will be here at 5 p.m. Uh, the Christmas Eve service will be at 5 p.m. that day, okay? Uh, so guys, have a seat. Come here, have a seat. seat, sit, seat. Daddy, they spelled your name wrong. Well, that happens. They, put, they forgot to put the H-E-W. Oh. My daughter here likes to call me Matthew rather than Matt. Um, so, hey, I want to talk to you guys for a minute. If I can uh, have the next slide, one more. Uh, the text we're looking at this morning, uh, near the end of it, it says this. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. And so this idea that Jesus came into the world and Jesus is God, the full revelation of God, and that God is with us and God is always with us. And so uh, we're going to be talking about that a little bit this morning. And what I want you guys to be thinking about as you're at the back tables is uh, how do you recognize God with you? Where do you see God in everyday life? Maybe you can draw a picture of that or make a sculpture of it or something like that, okay? Uh, So yesterday, I got to experience God with me through my family. We had friends in town, and so we went up to a vineyard called Preston Vineyards, and we spent the day up there, and this little guy caught a lizard in the dry creek bed, and, and then he shared it with his little sister, and then there's cats there, and this cat just cuddled right up to my wife and wanted her to hold it, and then we caught crickets in the dry creek bed. Uh, I did. So uh, I, want, I want you guys to head back to the tables, and I want you to draw something or create something uh, of where you see God in everyday life, all right? All right. So we're going to be in Matthew 1. This is the first Sunday of Advent. This year is, is unique because... 
Usually there's four Sundays of Advent before Christmas Eve, but because Christmas Eve falls on a Sunday, we have three Sundays of Advent leading up to Christmas Eve. Uh, and then, yeah, so uh, we're looking at Matthew 1, starting in verse 18 this morning. Um, Let's pray. God, thank you that you are with us. Remind us of that. And this morning, as we look at this text, open our eyes and ears and hearts to all you have for us. In the name of Jesus, amen. All right, so Matthew 1, verse 18, it says, This is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. Now, this follows on the heels of Matthew for uh, 17 verses, uh, telling the genealogy or the lineage of Jesus. And so we see name after name after name after name of all these people leading up to the birth of of Jesus. Now, in Matthew 1.1, it says this is the genealogy. The word genealogy there is uh, a couple slides down, I think. Sorry. Uh, genesis, genesis, which means Genesis. So, uh, the word in the English translated genealogy is uh, where we get the word Genesis. And so, in other words, this is the origins or this is the beginning of Jesus, the Messiah, the son of David. Now, watch, what's interesting, when we get to verse 18, this is how the birth, the word birth is the same Greek word. This is the genesis of Jesus, the Messiah. What Matthew is doing as he writes this and uses this word genesis in verse 1 and in verse 18 is he is trying to help us see that there is a new thing happening, a new genesis, a new beginning. Something new is being birthed in the world with the coming of God in Jesus, the Messiah. That a whole new beginning is happening, a whole new creation is bursting forth in this Jesus, who is the Messiah. His mother, Mary, was pledged to be married to Joseph. Now, uh, we only have two accounts of the birth of Jesus in the scriptures. One is in Matthew, the other is in Luke. Uh, Matthew's version kind of gives us Joseph's perspective, whereas Luke's version kind of gives us Mary's perspective. And so we have these two different experiences and two different perspectives of the birth of Jesus, the Messiah. Uh, and I like that. I like to get different perspectives. Uh, if you ever see a movie or, or something, when they give the perspective of other people, uh, it helps you enter into where they're coming from and how they're experiencing it. Has, has anyone seen the movie Wonder? A few of you. Yeah, uh, Jenna and I had the opportunity to get to go see that. And I love how they give the perspective of this young boy, but then they shift to his older sister and give her perspective and her experience and how she is dealing with the whole situation. And you get the, the mom and the dad and a friend's perspective. And, it, and so here we see Joseph's perspective more so than Mary's, which comes through more significantly in the Luke account. And so Mary's pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. 
Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. And so what the reader understands is that something miraculous has taken place here. And Mary is pregnant by the Holy Spirit. But Joseph doesn't know it yet. And so if we're, we're watching this as a play, as the curtain comes up, what we know at this point is that Mary's pregnant, uh, a miraculous conception by the Holy Spirit, but the one she's pledged to be married to, Joseph, does not know it. And so because he's a righteous man, the text literally reads, uh, because he was a righteous man, he had in mind to divorce her Quietly. Now, uh, you wouldn't think he would need to divorce her if they're just pledged to be married, because we think in terms of, in our modern era, engagement, they, they were engaged to be married. Why would he need to divorce her? Uh, in the early Jewish culture, if you were pledged to be married to someone, it was taken so seriously that you had to legally divorce. It was as serious as being married, even though you weren't married yet. And so Joseph decides he will divorce her quietly. Now, the reason why Joseph wants to do it quietly, the text tells us because he was a righteous man. He didn't want to expose her to uh, disgrace, to shame, to humiliation. Joseph has Mary in mind. He doesn't want her to experience shame. Uh, in Deuteronomy, the law tells us that if someone is caught uh, committing adultery, they are to be stoned to death. Now, by the time of Mary and Joseph in the first century, uh, the rabbis had uh, kind of curtailed that, but it was, and uh, no one was subject to death, but it was still an incredibly shaming, humiliating process. And Joseph does not want Mary to go through that. And so he decides, I'll divorce her quietly so she doesn't have to go through that humiliating process. But, verse 20, after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. And so, Joseph has a dream. And this angel appears to him in the dream and says, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife. Uh, number one command in all the scriptures, do not be afraid. Fear not. It's said more than any other command in all of scriptures. Do not be afraid. Because we so often live with this anxiety. We so often live with this angst. We so often live with fear. And the angel shows up to Joseph and says, Do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. It's going to work out. And what you don't know is that this was a miracle. And so, all this, verse 22, took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin 
will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. Uh, have the next slide. Um, the name Jesus, Yeshua, means Yahweh helps or Yahweh saves. Uh, apparently, I put it up there twice to, for emphasis. Um, <clears throat> and so, this Jesus, and it was a common name in the first century, the name Yeshua, the name Jesus. Uh, but it means Yahweh saves, Yahweh helps. Uh, the rescuer has come. Not, not only is this a new beginning, a new genesis, a, a new creation, but there is a new exodus taking place in this Jesus. He has come to save his people from their sins. He has come to save us from brokenness. He has come to save us from heartache and all the evil in the world. The rescuer has arrived on the scene in Jesus but, but God works in human history, and he works through Mary, and he works through Jesus, and he works through you and me. Uh, Joseph listened to God and obeyed and walked as God invited him to walk. Notice this, uh, what Susan Andrews says. She says, Joseph shows, up, shows us a way to incarnation the radical intrusion of a flesh and blood God into the reality of our human condition, the full embodiment of God's dream of shalom and compassion and justice and grace and wholeness and abundance. He shows us how to name our dream, Jesus, God with us, a dream even more vivid in the sunshine than it is in the dark. Uh, Joseph shows us a beautiful way forward, listening to the voice of God and moving forward in it. Uh, Joseph does the difficult thing. The easy thing would be to divorce Mary quietly. Joseph does the difficult thing, even when there might be all kinds of gossip all around him about his wife. He does the difficult thing, and he trusts God in what God says. Uh, Yeshua God saves, Yahweh saves, Emmanuel, God with us. These two names, when they come together, we recognize that we have a God who does not save from a distance, is not far off, uninvolved in our lives, but we have a God who is present in everyday life and is our rescuer. We have a God who is present to us and offers to rescue us all the time. And when we live our day-to-day -day lives, we can trust that this God in Jesus is present to us. Uh, notice what Jesus says in Matthew 28. Surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. This, this promise of Emmanuel, God with us, was not just true for 30, 33 years of Jesus's existence on this planet. It is true today, right now, right here. In the midst 
of whatever you are going through. May you experience this Jesus who saves. May you experience this God who is present to us, who is with us right here, right now, uh, in your workplace, in your schools, on the playground, on the soccer field, in the shopping mall, wherever you find yourself. May you experience the God who is with you, the God who saves. And the invitation is not only to experience God with us, but to live into this incarnation, to live into this way of being in the world. Jesus invites us into a better way of being human and to live the life Jesus invited us to live. Uh, this, next slide, these kids who caught crickets, uh, the, the most beautiful moment for me yesterday was, next slide, uh, when my youngest lost her cricket because it jumped out of her hand, my boy offered her his cricket. Uh, incarnation. What does it look like to live into the incarnation, to embody love, to embody peace, to embody sacrifice, to embody forgiveness, to embody the way of Jesus. We're invited into a different way of being human in the world, uh, the way of self-giving love, uh, offering of ourselves that which God has created us for, for the sake of the world, to bring the hope and healing of Christ into our midst, right here, right now, wherever we find ourselves. I love this quote from Frederick Buechner. Uh, what keeps the wild hope of Christmas alive year after year in a world notorious for dashing all hopes is the haunting dream that the child who was born that day may yet be born again, even in us. Uh, how is the living Christ being born in you today? Uh, how are you offering the living Christ through you to those you encounter? And, and where do you experience God in everyday life? Uh, let's go back to that, that quote near the top, Barbara Brown Taylor um, Earth is so thick with divine possibility that it is a wonder we can walk anywhere without cracking our shins on altars. Uh, Barbara Brown Taylor wrote this amazing book uh, called An Altar in the World. Uh, and in the opening chapter, she's talking about that God is so present everywhere we go. It's a, it's a wonder we don't keep cracking our shins on altars. There is so much divine possibility all around us. Where do you experience Emmanuel, God, with us right here, right now? Uh, hey, kids, you got some stuff to show us? Can we see where you see God? Yeah? All right. Mally was first. What do you got, Mally? Uh, do we have the microphone? 
What do you got, Mally? I got baby Jesus and Joseph and Mary and a donkey. Oh my goodness, that is awesome. All right, Pal, what do you have? I draw the picture of when I caught the lizard. Awesome. Anyone else want to share? Almost done? Not yet. Okay. So, well, maybe we'll invite people to come back after the service is over and see what our kids have uh, created. Sound good? Uh, another opportunity we have to experience the divine in the daily, the, the divine in something ordinary, is this gift Jesus left us uh, communion, Eucharist, the Lord's table, the, the Christ's body broken for us, Christ's blood shed for us, uh, this, this God who came into the world in the baby Jesus, uh, lived his life, taught us how to live, and died uh, on the cross. This Jesus who came to save us from our sin, from our brokenness, from heartache and injustice, uh, gave himself for us on the cross. And when we come and partake of the bread and the cup, when we take a piece of bread and dip it in this cup, we remember. We remember what Christ did for us on the cross. We remember that Christ was born, he lived, he died, and he conquered death and rose again. And that Christ is present to us right here, right now. Uh, as you come this morning and take the bread and dip it in the cup, I pray that you know Emmanuel, God with us. I pray that you know Jesus, the God who saves. Uh, I pray that you know God is present to you right here, right now. God, thank you for the gift of Christmas. Thank you for the gift of the birth of Jesus. And that you are with us. You are present. And we can experience you each moment of each day, all around us and within us. God, may we know your spirit in us, moving us, convicting us, leading and guiding us into the best possible way to live. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.